Chapter Eleven of William Again by Rickmall Crompton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: The Circus. The circus was to be held in a big tent on the green. William had watched them putting up the tent the day before. He had hung around with wistful eyes fixed upon it. Here was the wonder of wonders, the mystery of mysteries: a circus. He had seen the posters of it. It would be there that very day, with its lions and tigers, its horses and dogs, its golden-haired, short-skirted beauties, its fascinating red-nosed kings of laughter, its mustached masters of the ring, its quips, its thrill, its mystery, its romance, its gilt and tinsel and light. A circus! It is a strange fact that William had lived for the eleven years of his life and never seen a circus but he was determined that the omission should be rectified. It was dusk when he saw them pass. Through the bars of the cages looked out weary, spiritless lions and tigers, but to him they were veritable kings of the jungle. There was an elephant and two camels, and chained to the top of the van, a monkey shivering in a green jacket. Gosh! ejaculated William, in rapture and admiration. There were several closed vans, but to William it was as if they were open. Clearly, in imagination, he saw the scene within. There sat laughing clowns and beautiful women, with filmy skirts that stuck out round their knees. He could imagine the clowns pouring forth an endless succession of jokes, each with suitable contortions. The beautiful women would be laughing till their sides ached. He wished he had a clown for a father imagination almost faltered at the blissful thought a ragged man leading one of the horses looked curiously at him a small boy leaning against a lamp-post with all his soul in his eyes slowly and reluctantly he went home to supper and bed he dreamed of horses and lions and tigers and clowns and a life of untrammelled joy and jollity there's a circus on the green he announced at breakfast don't talk with your mouth full, ordered his father. William looked at him coldly. A clown would not have said this. He wondered on what principle parents were chosen. He sometimes wished he had been given some voice in the choosing of his. There were one or two improvements he could think of. He swallowed with slow dignity. Then, there's a circus on the green, he announced again. "'Yes, dear,' said his mother soothingly. "'Ethel, uh, pass the marmalade to your father. "'What were you saying, dear?' Whereupon William's father proceeded with a monologue about the labor question that he had begun a few minutes previously. William sighed. He waited till the next pause. "'I'm going to the circus,' he announced firmly. That brought their attention to him. "'I don't see how you can, dear,' said his mother slowly. "'It's only staying for this afternoon and evening, "'and it's the dancing class this afternoon.' "'Dancing?' repeated William, in horror. "'Surely you don't expect me to go dancing with a circus on the green?' "'I've paid for the twelve lessons,' said Mrs. Brown firmly, "'and Miss Carew is very particular about your not missing without a real excuse.' "'Well, there's this evening,' said William.' "'You know, Grandfather and Aunt Lillian are coming,' said Mrs. Brown, "'and they'd be most hurt if we went out the first evening.' "'Well, they're coming to stay a week,' said William, "'with the air of one who exercises superhuman patience. 
surely they won't mind if i'm out for one night surely they aren't as fond of me as all that i should think aunt lillian would be glad i'm out from the things she said about me last time she came you know she said you can't go alone said mrs brown wearily it doesn't begin till eight it's an absurd hour to begin you can't stay up so late for one thing and you can't go alone for another why not said william with a growing exasperation aren't i eleven i'm not a child i william's father lowered his newspaper william he said the effect upon the nerves of the continued sound of your voice is something that beggars description i would take it as a personal favor if it could kindly cease for a short time william was crushed the fact that he rarely understood his father's remarks to him had a good deal to do with the awe in which that parent was held clowns he thought to himself smolderingly didn't say things that no one knew what they meant anyway he was going to that circus he finished his breakfast in dignified silence with this determination fixed firmly in his mind he was going to that circus he was going to that circus fold up your table napkin william slowly and deliberately he performed the operation i bet clowns don't have the beastly things he remarked dispassionately with which enigmatical remark he departed from the bosom of his family he was escorted to the dancing class in the afternoon by his elder sister ethel he signified his disgust at this want of trust in him by maintaining a haughty silence except occasionally unbending so far as to ejaculate in a voice of scornful indignation dancin uh, dancin during the dancing class his attention wandered miss carew's patience changed gradually to wearied impatience slide the right foot children right foot william brown now chasse to the left i said left william brown now three steps forward forward william brown i didn't say stand still did i now take your partner's hand your partner's william brown henry is not your partner william's real partner glared at him william performed evolutions tardily faultily and mechanically he saw not a roomful of small boys and girls shining with heat and cleanliness dominated by miss carew's commanding voice and eager gaze he saw not his own partner's small indignant face he saw a ring a ringmaster a clown lions tigers elephants a circus he was aroused by a sudden wail from his small partner i don't want to dance with william i don't like dancing with william i want to dance with someone else william does everything wrong william gazed at her with a reddening countenance the dancing class stopped dancing to watch the maiden found a small handkerchief hidden in a miniature pocket and began to sob into it i could dance nice with someone nice i can't dance with william he does it all wrong me said william in horror i've not done anything i don't know what she's crying for he explained to the room helplessly i've not done nothing to her you're enough to make any little girl cry said miss carew sharply the way you dance oh dancin said william scornfully then well i do it all right in the end i'm only a bit slow i'm thinking of something else that's all 
that's nothing for her to cry for is it crying because other people dance slow there's no sense in that is there the sobs increased it was a warm afternoon and miss carew's exasperation changed to a dull despair will any kind little girl take william brown for a partner and give mary a rest there was no answer william was aware of a distinct sense of mortification well i don't want any of em he said huffily i'll dance slow by myself i'd sooner dance by myself than with an old crying girl i'll a brilliant idea struck him i'll go home shall i i shan't mind going home his cheerfulness grew then she he indicated his late partner can do it quick by herself and give up crying i'll go home i don't mind going home no you won't said miss carew i'll give i'll give a chocolate to any little girl who will dance with william brown a stout little girl famed for her overindulgence in sweets volunteered william received her with an air of resigned patience well don't cry over me he said sternly she was less disposed to suffer in silence than his previous partner he's treading on my toes she announced in shrill complaint when the dancing was once more in full swing the goaded william burst forth her feet are all over the place i can't keep off them she moves them about so quick she puts them just where i'm going to tread on purpose i don't want to tread on her old feet well i can't do what you say and not tread on her feet cause when i do my feet how you say do them they go on her feet cause she's got her feet there instead first cause she's quicker than me and miss carew raised her hand to her brow william she said wearily i really don't know why you learn dancing i learn dancing said william bitterly cause they make me the various tribulations of the dancing class almost drove the thought of the circus from his head but he saw the tent as he went home it was in darkness as the afternoon performance was over and the only sign of life he could see was a thin dog chewing a turnip at the tent door he supposed that the clowns and princess drivers were having tea in the brilliantly lit interiors of the closed caravans he could imagine their sallies of wit and mirth he listened for their roars of laughter but the caravan walls were thick and he could hear nothing but a noise that might have been a baby crying only william supposed it could not be that for no baby who was lucky enough to live in a circus could surely be so misguided and ungrateful as to cry i guess no one ever made them learn dancing he said feelingly he found that grandfather moore and aunt lillian had already arrived william had never met his grandfather before and he gazed in astonishment at him he had met old people before but he had not thought that anything quite so old as grandfather moore had ever existed or ever could exist he was little and wrinkled and shriveled and bald his face was yellow with tiny little lines running criss-cross all over it his bright little eyes seemed to have sunk right back when he smiled he revealed a large expanse of bare gum with three lonely-looking teeth at intervals he had a few hairs just above his neck at the back otherwise his head was like a shining new egg william was fascinated he could hardly keep his eyes off him all tea-time aunt lillian's life-work was looking after grandfather moore 
it filled every minute of her time she was a perfect daughter may he sit with his back to the light she said you know you're better with your back to the light dear bread and milk please yes he's always has that don't you dear are you quite comfortable wouldn't you like a cushion get that footstool william this is william dear little william william glared at her the old man fixed his wistful bright eyes on william william he repeated and smiled william felt strangely flattered he's getting a bit simple sighed aunt lillian poor darling she was firm after tea you'll go to bed now dear won't you you always like to go to bed early after a journey don't you he always likes to go to bed early after a long journey she exclaimed to the company she helped him upstairs tenderly and left him in his room william was dispatched to bed at half-past seven as usual they were surprised at his meekness they thought he must have forgotten about the circus they carefully avoided all mention of it but william's silence was the silence of the tactician open attack had failed he was now prepared to try secrecy up in his room he sat down to consider the most unostentatious modes of exit from the house there was the possibility of going downstairs and through the hall on stocking feet so quickly as to escape notice but there was always the chance of somebody's going out into the hall at the critical minute and then all would be lost or there was the possibility of climbing down from his window but his room was on the third story and he had never yet attempted a descent from that height just beneath his room was grandfather moore's room from the window of grandfather moore's room an old fig tree afforded a convenient ladder to the ground grandfather moore had gone to bed directly after tea he would surely be asleep now anyway william decided to risk it he crept down the steps to grandfather moore's room and cautiously opened the door the room was lit up and before the fire sat grandfather moore fully dressed it was now impossible to withdraw the bright little eyes were fixed on him and grandfather moore smiled william he said with pleasure then i've not gone to bed yet he was obviously reveling in his wickedness william came in and shut the door can i get through your window he said shortly yes said grandfather moore where do you want to get to i'm going to a circus said william firmly the bright eyes grew wistful a circus said the little old man i went to a circus once years and years ago horses and elephants and, and lions and tigers and camels and, and and clowns supplied william yes clown said the old man eagerly i remember the clown oh he was a funny fellow are you going alone yes said william crossing to the window do they know you're going no the little old man began to tremble with excitement william i want to see the circus again let me come too william was nonplussed you can't climb down this tree he said judicially i was going to climb down the tree i'll go downstairs suggested grandfather moore you wait for me outside i'll come out to you but william's protective interests were aroused no if you're going i'll stay with you he found the old man's hat and coat and helped him on with them the old man was quivering with eagerness there will be a clown won't there william there will be a clown i know there's a clown william assured him they crept downstairs and through the hall in silence fortune favored them no one came out 
Mr. Brown, Mrs. Brown, Ethel, and Aunt Lillian were playing bridge in the drawing-room. The hall door stood open. Outside, Grandfather Moore gave a wicked chuckle. Lillian, she thinks I'm in bed, he said. Shh! Come on, whispered William. Outside the tent door, he remembered suddenly that he possessed no money. His last penny had been spent on a bag of popcorn the day before. Grandfather Moore was crestfallen. He said he had no money, but a systematic search revealed a shilling in the corner of his coat pocket, and his face lit up. "'It's all right, William,' he said gleefully. A stream of people were entering the tent. There was the ring, the sawdust, the stands for the horses, the sea of people, the smell that is like no other smell on earth, the smell of the circus. William's heart was too full for words. He could hardly believe his eyes. It was all too wonderful to be true. And there in the ring was a clown, a jolly, red-nosed, laughing clown. Grandfather Moore clutched his arm. The clown, William, he gasped in ecstasy. William sighed, a deep sigh of intense happiness. They secured good seats in the second row from the bottom and sat in silence, a curious couple, their eager eyes fixed on that figure of dreams with a loose white suit and chalked face. He held a small camera, and he was offering to take the photographs of the people who came in. At last, a farmer and his wife agreed to be photographed. He posed them carefully in the middle of the ring, the lady in a chair, her hands folded in her lap, the man standing by her side, his hand on her shoulder. Then he told them not to move. He said he was going to photograph them from behind first. He went behind and disappeared through the door of the tent. The couple stayed motionless with sheepish grins on their face. The suppressed titters of the audience increased to roars of laughter. It was some time before the rustic couple realized that the clown was not photographing them carefully from behind. William enjoyed the joke. He emitted a guffaw after guffaw, while Grandfather Moore's shrill cackle joined in. "'He's gone away, William!' he piped between his laughter. "'He's gone right away! They think he's taken him from behind!' At last the joke dawned upon the bucolic couple, and they went to their places amid applause. Then began the circus proper. The ringmaster came on, a magnificent creature with long mustachios and a white shirt-front. He waved his whip, then all held their breath, for in there pranced a coal-black horse, and on its back one of the visions of beauty whose pictures had been on the poster— golden hair, red cheeks, white tights, and short, white, frilly skirts. To William she was beauty personified. In the fickleness of his youth he decided not to marry the little girl next door after all. He would marry her instead. He would be a clown and marry her. He watched her with fascinated eyes. She rode down the ring bareback. She then rode round, standing on the horse's back, and blowing them kisses. William blushed violently when he imagined one came to him. "'Golly!' he breathed. "'Isn't she fine?' said Grandfather Moore. "'Isn't she just?' said William. 
all the while the majestic ringmaster stood in the centre of the ring twirling his mustachios and flicking his long curling whip then a man brought her a white horse and she raced round the ring leaping gracefully from horse to horse at full gallop oh the dreadful moment when william thought she might fall he would have leapt from his seat and saved her dying perhaps in the attempt his thoughts lingered fondly on the scene then she leapt through the paper hoop again and again landing gracefully upon the black or white back william grew impatient for the time when he should be old enough to be a clown and marry her the thought of the dancing class had faded altogether from his mind the thoughts of youth may be long long thoughts but its memories are distinctly short then the clown came on again how they roared at him he tried to get on to a horse and he couldn't he tried to stand on a chair and he couldn't he tried to do conjuring tricks and he dropped everything he tried to walk across the ring and he slipped at every step he fell over his trousers he fell over the ringmaster he quarrelled with the ringmaster the ringmaster knocked him down he said the funniest things william had ever heard in all his life william was literally exhausted with laughing grandfather moore was hoarse occasionally his crackling laugh cracked feebly on the top note open-mouthed and tense they watched a collie dog carry in its puppy nurse it give it a bottle of milk and put it in its cradle watched the elephant pick out numbers at the direction of the ringmaster watched the monkey ride a bicycle and pelt the clown with sawdust but the last item was the most stupendous it was called the prairie on fire there were real flames red rolling flames and through them and in headlong flight before them came cattle and horses and buggies whose occupants stood up lashing on the horses and casting glances of terror at the flames the golden-haired beauty was wringing her hands in the last buggy but one the monkey was on the seat with the driver crumbs gasped william grandfather moore was beyond words almost dazed and drunk with happiness they went out into the darkness at the end they walked in silence till they were almost at the gate of william's house then william spoke i don't care what they do to me it was worth it jolly well worth it grandfather moore gave a chuckle that was a circus william i saw a fine one when i was a boy too i didn't care what i did to get into a circus william felt that he'd found a kindred spirit did you learn dancin he asked with interest yes did you like it no said grandfather moore emphatically the bond between them grew stronger the hall and staircase were empty as they crept cautiously in through the front door mr brown mrs brown ethel and aunt lillian were still playing bridge in the drawing-room silently on tiptoe they crept upstairs to bed mrs brown was apologetic at breakfast i was so sorry about the circus dear she said to william it just came on an awkward day when no one could take you there's sure to be one again soon you shall go to that thank you mother said william his eyes fixed upon his plate you didn't mind so much did you dear she continued no mother said william meekly aunt lillian beamed across at her charge 
doesn't he look well this morning i don't know when i remember him looking so well a good long night does him no end of good i'm so glad i persuaded him to go to bed directly after tea william's eyes and grandfather moore's eyes met for a second across the table End of chapter 11